1: You know, when I present the weather forecast on the TV in the evening, I think, oh, what would it be like to be a a hurricane man? I have a chance now to speak to the hurricane man, uh, Josh Mungerman, and also the weather expert, uh, Sarah Thornton. Uh, Josh and Sarah, good morning.
2: Morning,
1: Frank. Howdy. Hey, t- tell me this. Are we really going to have significant, dramatic change in our weather? Because it already seems to be happening, Josh. If we've got a hurricane man, it must already be happening. How do you spend your time, Josh?
0: Well, I spend my time hunting down hurricanes and typhoons. Typhoon is just a hurricane, by the way. It's just what they call it in East Asia. I just spend my, my time hunting them down at every corner of the earth. Uh, and trying to determine whether they are getting worse. I think Sarah has some opinions about the, uh, the broad climate picture.
2: <laughs> Which I know you know about, Frank, because uh, you know, now we do things like we name storms. It's something that we've brought in, in the last four years, uh, Met Office and the Irish Met Service working together to do that because we've realized that people need to be prepared for more severe weather and as the, uh, the globe starts to warm it is really affecting weather patterns right around the world not necessarily that everywhere is getting hotter but that we are starting to see many more severe weather events of course we've always had severe weather uh, that's not new it's the intensity of some of the storms that we're seeing and it's also the frequency That is on the change.
1: And how unusual is what's happening in Southeast Africa at the moment? Because we tend to associate that part of the world with famine and drought sometimes, not with cyclones.
0: Well, you know, it's right now it's the, um, it's the Southern Hemisphere's hurricane season. And by the way, the, the cyclone that hit Mozambique, that was a hurricane too. But just in that part of the world, they call it a cyclone, but that was a hurricane also. So That area does actually get cyclones, and that cyclone that caused all that devastation was actually only moderate to maybe slightly stronger than usual. The reason it was so devastating was that it made a perfect direct hit on Mozambique's fourth biggest city, a port city called Beta. And uh, it's got a half million people, and the infrastructure is kind of, you know, maybe not totally uh, you know, solid and, and, and it shows what happens when even sort of an average system can do when it makes a direct hit on a vulnerable population.
1: And uh, J- Josh I, I know we're thinking at this moment in time with the Disasters Emergency Committee Fund and people like that who are trying to, to raise money for those who have been left bereaved or, or, or homeless and that's the devastation that's caused by the likes of a hurricane or, or a cyclone but You literally are checking these hurricanes, following these hurricanes, being there when they happen. Why do you do that?
0: Well, I think it started, you know, just from a very early age. And I grew up on an island off the east coast of the U.S. and we'd get hurricanes on occasion. And I would just get it, even as a toddler, just I I just got very excited by the violent weather. It was literally like a, a reaction to like a drug almost. So my whole life I've been hunting down that feeling again and again. The, the thing that I really get excited about now as I've matured over the years is collecting data. So a lot of these cyclones or hurricanes or typhoons are hitting remote regions in the Philippines, Mexico, maybe parts of Africa, where there are no weather stations. And so we have no real understanding of what exactly happened when that storm came ashore unless a nut like me is inside the center collecting data. So my, my biggest thrill now is to get inside these storms that are hitting in remote locations, collect data that otherwise wouldn't exist help scientists understand what happened exactly on the ground. That's like my biggest thrill now.
1: And of course you get dramatic pictures as a result of, of what you do and you take serious risks as well uh, sometimes. Uh, Sarah are you taking any risks or you just live, sleep and eat weather with weathertrending.com. You see my involvement with the weather is very much as a presenter. I liaise uh-huh. every day with the Met Office. They explain it all to me. I then tell a story with the graphics that I compile in, in, in the television series studio and I thoroughly enjoy the topic but I don't know if I could live it the way you guys live it weathertrending.com you went from being a weather presenter to basically running this website
2: yeah, and I still uh, do present the weather as well on the TV. You'll still po- see me pop up quite frequently. Uh, but it is because it was such a passion of mine and my business partner, John Hammond, who was very well known to people as well, you know, very regularly on the TV. Uh, we, we absolutely love the weather. We're former Met Office people. And, you know, you, I think it is one of those topics that you just live and breathe and you're absolutely passionate about. I am different to Josh, though, because if it's severe weather like these hurricanes, and my parents live in Florida, for instance, I tell people to run away. I tell people to get to safety, whereas Josh runs straight at them. And I grew up in the States where we had some really severe weather in the form of tornadoes. And I've been caught in a tornado spawning outbreak as well a couple of times, actually. There was this one time driving down the road. You could have split the sky in half. It was jet black on one side of the sky, and it was completely sunny on the other side. And uh, within just a couple of minutes, we started to see these funnel clouds forming, and then these tornadoes started touching down, and we all had to get to safety. And, you know, so I've been in some severe weather where it has been very frightening. I know a lot of storm chasers, particularly tornado storm chasers, they go out for the season to the likes of Oklahoma, etc., or Kansas, and they, uh, they love it but I don't know any female ones. So that's interesting in itself. I do often wonder if there is a bit of a gender divide there. Uh, for me, it's because I've got children and they need me around.
1: <laughs> but uh, do, do, you, do you think the storm chasers are, are, are crazy? Deep, do, deep down, do you think that the likes of Joyce shouldn't do what he does or is there, is there a benefit in what, what he researches?
2: I mean, there's unbelievably, A, a scientific benefit because the way that we learn more and more about these storms is to collect data, and the scientific data showing the pressure readings, showing the wind strength, showing uh, the rainfall totals is unbelievably important because what we're seeing across the globe is that, you know, with climate change happening, these events are becoming more intense, more severe, more significant, and we're expecting more and more of that in the future. So we need to have good data to understand uh, what's going on with each individual storm and then draw some scientific conclusions after it's all finished. Having said that, I'd say I'm a borderline jealous (laughs) <laughs> quite
1: Joyce, <laughs> Joyce, I've got a producer here who climbs mountains every weekend. Who spends all his uh, summers in in the mountains. Who goes in every season uh, on the weekend to to the morns and the spurns and anywhere that will challenge him to any great great extent. He lives the outdoor life when he's not in the studio. Is he envious of you? Absolutely, he is. You know, he hasn't uh, got Sarah on this morning because she's a weather expert, and I have an interest in weather. She is the, he has this interview on because you're available to have a conversation, uh, Joyce. There are there are loads of people like Ricky, my producer, who totally envy what you do. I'm sure I'm sure you understand that.
0: Well, you know, I, I think some people envy it, and some people are just like, wow, like, like, that's just nuts. I don't get that. I think it's basically like you're one type of person or the other, and I, and I totally understand it, that some people just think it's really crazy. And, I, you know, sometimes I do. You know, literally it's like an addiction. Like there are times, you know, when I'm just getting on a plane to, like, you know, fly to Taiwan, and I'm just in the middle of the night, and I'm just like, oh, God, like I can't take this anymore, this lifestyle. But <laughs> something just like I just have this compulsion to kind of be front row seat, to just witness these, the the majesty of the earth's wrath. thats the only way I could describe it, you know? And, uh, and, uh, yeah, for me, it's a thrill, you know, I, I kind of designed my life around it to some degree, you know, so that I could just be unfettered to just sort of like hunt these storms down around the globe. And, uh, yeah, it never gets old for me.
2: I mean, I think even if you're not storm chasing, uh, there's something very humbling about the weather anyway. Certainly in the UK, you know, you're in the Mourne Mountains, for instance, the weather suddenly closes in, and, you know, you have to be aware of what's going on around you, but it makes you feel alive, doesn't it, really? Connecting with nature, connecting with the outside, connecting with the weather. We've had some really intense weather across parts of the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, you know, of course, ex-hurricane Ophelia, for instance, you know, that's one where we saw some really terrible winds. In fact, Josh, you know a little bit about Ophelia, don't you? Yeah,
0: actually, Ophelia was really interesting because there's this question, can the British Isles, can Ireland or the United Kingdom get a hurricane? And mm. and no, because the water's not warm enough. But actually, hurricanes approach the British Isles all the time. The thing is, since the water's cold, they unravel. Now, Ophelia was one of the – it got as close as any did. It only became – it only um, – Sort of lost its hurricane status about 12 hours before it hit Ireland. And here's the deal it got declassified. It was no longer a hurricane, but that was just a technicality. That was a call by meteorologists because the structure didn't quite fit the, um, the sort of like criteria of a hurricane. That nerdy stuff doesn't matter to people on the ground. The point is, when it came ashore in Ireland, it had winds of hurricane force. It was a hurricane to people on the ground. And I was actually, I saw the videos and I was like, whoa, that was nuts, like roofs ripping off and everything. So, so that was that was basically the equivalent of a, what you know what we would call a Category 1 hurricane. And I'm sure people who experienced that in Ireland and in the United Kingdom, were, I'm sure were impressed with it. I was.
1: Yeah, I can understand that description. At the same time, I'm keeping in mind very recent stories that we've had here in Northern Ireland of, of people literally, sadly, dying as a result of the, the, the weather. And we, we have to keep in mind that those stories are still very fresh in our, our memory here of people dying in the mountains and dying as a result of trees coming down, electrical cables coming down, coming down as well. That is the sad, sad side of, of our, our weather. Sarah, just on the issue of the, the hurricane, Joyce's description there is really interesting. Just very briefly, what was Michael Fisher's experience really a hurricane then?
2: Uh, no, it wasn't quite, no. Uh, what happened there was that uh, we're talking about Hurricane Force winds. It's it's really interesting, though, to compare the 87 storm to the hurricane that Josh is with in the first episode of the new series of Hurricane Man. He is chasing Hurricane Michael it was last October, and it had Sustained winds of 155 miles an hour around the eyewall, just unbelievably, just not quite a Category 5, but right on the borderline of being a Category 5 storm. Uh, Whereas when you think about the Great Storm of 87, uh, the maximum sustained winds then were 80 miles an hour, and the gust, the peak gust in the U.K. was 120 miles an hour. So it doesn't really quite compare.
0: I want to add, you know, just to your point before about, you know, how... Even what, like, like the, the 87 storm was basically equivalent to Category 1 hurricane winds. Ophelia in Ireland was as well. But those are good examples of how even Category 1 hurricane winds are incredibly dangerous because those winds can topple a tree that can fall on a car. I mean, it, it's always dangerous. You know, if I ever hear anyone say only Category 1, it drives me crazy because all hurricanes – Hurricane force winds are dangerous, whether it's Category 1 or Category 5.
2: Yeah, and actually it's interesting because uh, two years ago, back in 2017, when Hurricane Harvey hit the United States so badly, and that was really what we like to call a rain event rather than a wind event. Yeah, the winds were strong. I mean, they just absolutely were. It was a hurricane after all. But, um, you know, the the rain, the intense rainfall 40 inches over four days is what really caused uh, the just extensive and historic flooding across Texas. And then you had, you know, people saying, "Well, it was only a category there, it was a category this." And it doesn't really matter if it affects people's lives, if it damages buildings, property, and ultimately, it people's lives. It's it's a strong storm, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, it's it's incredible the strength of nature. Uh, great speaking to you, uh, Joyce and Sarah. Thank you very much indeed. And you can see the Hurricane Man on UK TV in that uh, new series. The day is nearly away with it.
0: Planning for your next trip.